Hello and welcome to Game of Moans, a podcast where we are re-watching Game of Thrones an episode at a time. I am Chris Bolton, with me as always, the mountain Mr. Mark Williams. Hello. And we are rocketing towards the end of Season 2. This week we are on Season 2, Episode 9, Blackwater. Written by George R.R. R. Martin, directed by Neil Marshall. This is the fucking Game of Thrones all-stars in the house here. Yeah, um, I... I was a bit dubious about this one because, I mean, the last time that George R. R. Martin wrote an episode, it was in season one, and there wasn't a great... It was one of those, he wasn't restricted, um, there weren't any big budgetary constraints. By the time we got to this one, um, obviously HBO spent a lot of money on this show, but the whole idea you know, of, of writing something like this, the, the temptation is to write an absolutely epic battle scene with ships and all the rest of it. And one of the things that he's um, George R. R. Martin has said quite famously is that he had to really scale back what he wanted to do because he was constantly being told, no, we can't do that, we can't do that, we can't do that, it's cost, cost too much money. Um, so the the fact that they, they achieved what they did and they, they put out the episode that they did with the sequences they had in it, um, I think was something of an achievement. Um, I but... think it probably works in its favour, um, particularly getting Neil Marshall into direct. I know he's directed many episodes, but he's somebody that's actually very well versed in creating sort of epic action scenes on a shoestring budget well this is an entire catalog basically and and i actually feel like in a lot of ways this episode is stronger for the fact that they don't have a massive budget you know we'll see these grand episode long battles throughout this show Hmm. and in my opinion they get progressively worse as the show goes on i i think this is the best of them um I, I rewatching it has done nothing to dissuade me from that. No, I think um, you're right. You know, I it, mean, it feels like we've, you know, certainly in the direction and in the writing, they've had to be a lot sharper with what they decide to show and what they don't. They need to pick their moments, but more importantly, they need to allow the drama and the tension to come from the characters and not from the horrendous shit that's happening on screen. Yeah. Uh, and that works in its favour, I think. It, it, it does. And I mean, um, there's a lot of talk um, in stuff I've read this week about it. Um, Neil Marshall wasn't the first choice. Um, he'd um, gone looking for a directing role on the show and been basically told to fuck off. Um, and then about a week before they were due to start shooting this episode, the planned director had to leave. Um, and at that point they went, well, you know what? Given what it is, and given what he's, you know, what his body of work is, let's give him a shot on this episode, um, which might have been a bit of a poison chalice. There was always the potential that actually this was going to be too big too soon uh, for him, but it worked out quite well. Um, and I think that the the temptation would have been to go for something like um, the Battle of Helm's Deep from um, Lord of the Rings, um, but instead they went down the route of things like Vikings, whereby it's all very it's all focused on the characters, not the action. Um, and I think it works quite well. I think you're right. I think it um, it would have been probably detrimental to the episode to try and do it any bigger. I, I definitely think so. And, and like I say, Neil Marshall, if you look at his back catalogue, particularly up until this point, you know, we're looking at we're looking at primarily horror, but we're looking at quite visceral horror as well. So we're looking yes. at things like Dog Soldiers and The Descent, um, yeah. which, you know, are low budget, gory horror films. But The Descent particularly um is is an absolute masterwork i think yes. um and you know if if you're going to bring somebody in that, that needs to pull this kind of stuff off and create this tension on a shoestring budget um or you know this isn't a shoestring christ this episode probably cost as much as the descent if not more oh, probably um, more. 
but you know you know you're going to be in fairly safe hands and actually my, my first note after the fact that it was these two writing and directing is you know literally the first thing i've written is this is the opening shot and you can already tell this is in safe hands we have yeah. grand sweeps across the fleet we have tight trucks across the line as they they sort of on the on the ship sort of getting ready for battle and we just truck in really tight on their face it's it's good stuff you know yeah. it, and it, and it is he's he understands that we don't have a massive budget so he he pulls off the grand camera move but locks it in tight so we don't need to see an army of thousands we just get in and do that nice it's, it's almost like the the start of a tv coverage of a football or a rugby match where everybody's doing the anthems you know he just tucks in tr- tight on that line yeah. and just pans down it and it makes things feel a lot bigger and a lot grander than they are um so it's very clearly going to be in safe hands um the only counterpoint i do have for that and it, it is a, a slight one is again this is quite a lackluster opening it, yeah. visually it's stunning um yeah but, but it's so fucking slow it's so dull yes now and especially i mean not only because because it's night and because no because it's everything's very gray in verno and they're on the sea which is gray and the you know, the ships all look it's a very dull very an interesting shot that we start with in terms of the actual color palette and the, 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 mm-hmm. the grabbing your attention. I mean, I as I watched, um, I, I watched on my laptop today because the because it was so dark I couldn't see it on my iPad the first scene. Um, but I watched on my laptop in the office, and yeah, it's just it's everything's grey. Everything is just. You know, I mean, we started the last three weeks at Winterfell with Theon, where everything is fucking grey apart from his stupid ginger head, and we're straight into this where everything is gray and you know, everything's a bit dark and a bit dingy and again it's whether it's supposed to be setting a tone i don't know but it just seems to be something they've got into whereby we start in a very drab manner and nothing about it is pulling that out not the no, i mean the, the visual is good but it's detracted by the color um that yeah it's just i don't know it bugged me a little bit and the fact yeah. that I had to then load it up on my laptop because I couldn't see on the fucking iPad was really annoying. Um, I didn't have that problem at all. I didn't find the color palette to be particularly drab, you know, other than I, I think it suits its tone, you know, that, that it's drab. I didn't find it to be too dark, which is a very specific problem I will come to have with other episodes where we yes. have these these long battles and, and again that gets worse as they go i didn't have that problem here but then i was watching it on a reasonably large screen um well yeah i think that was i mean that's it was mainly my problem because i was in an office which is you know at the, a, a nice office setting of about 150 200 lux um on an ipad screen and trying to manage that so i mean that's that's part of the problem whereas on the laptop screen i could move it if i was at home and watching it on a tv um, with the no, with the lights down, all that, it would have been fine. But it's, again, it, you, kind of, you kind of go with what you've got. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But I mean, yeah, that, that's not something I can speak to. I didn't have that problem. I, I, I found it appropriate um, for the tone. I could see everything, which is fine. That's that's the main thing. I can well, see yeah, everything. That's what you want, isn't it? Um, yeah, I, I just it is that there's just this slow kind of lackluster tone, and and I get here that this is a stylistic choice, both from writer and director. I get that we're going for a kind of calm before the storm vibe i get that and if this was a feature film i think that would be fine if this was a segment in a film you know if this was you know midpoint of act two maybe and we're building up to a grand battle that's then going to lead us into it okay fine um 
But it's not this is the opening of an episode of a TV show. And as we said last week, an opening needs to grab you. And yeah. whilst I'm whilst I am slowly drawing and, and it does kind of work because it does slowly draw me in. But uh, just, yeah, initially, if it wasn't for the fact that the visuals were so strong, I'd I'd be bored. I'll be perfectly honest. Yeah. Um, but it, it but it is that the visuals are so strong that it manages to hold my attention. And then before too long, we get catapulted into the episode itself and we get this kind of slow buildup of the dread before the battle then. So I kind of get what they're going for and it almost works, I think is what I'm trying to say, but it, hmm. but they just don't quite nail it. I, I think if we could have could have just had something else to pull us in at the start and yeah. then just drop back into this kind of calm before the storm we would have been fine. Um, yeah, I, th- I think you're right there. there. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think you're right there. Um, incidentally, as well, on the DVD and the Blu-ray, there's a 30-minute feature um, about the, the production of this particular episode. Um, that's worth a watch as well. Um, it's actually it's quite, a, it's quite a good piece. So um, as I just uh, throwing that out there for people, if you do have it um, and you want to go through it at some point, it's, it's definitely worth a watch. Okay. Uh, maybe I will have a look at that. Um, I've got all the special features, um, and, I, and I do like this episode quite a bit, so I may uh, I may have a look at that. Um, but then again, that's an extra half hour or something. <laughs> trying to watch stuff when I could be watching uh, whatever we're doing on SMPD next or the next episode of this. So yeah, that's true. Who am I but kidding? You, you are, you, I you, probably you, won't because I don't do any research. I was so. going to say, um, but you know, you, you have got an extra night next week because I'm not here. Uh, yeah, I have, and I will probably use that to do things other than podcast. To be fair, <laughs> so, um, yeah, because I'm not going to sit in a room and talk to myself unless you want me to, listeners. If you could think of something you'd like to hear me talk to myself about, then drop us yeah, a line. Maybe if it's sufficiently entertaining enough, I'll scream into the void for an hour for you. Yeah, um, although that's by the time this episode comes out, I'll be back. Uh, okay, so. Fine, I won't yeah. do that. Well, um, that, might, that might be something for the future. Yeah, possibly. Um, okay, so we've, we've had our chat about, about the opening, and, and so straight into the scenes then. We get this kind of, over in King's Land, we get this kind of slow build-up as everybody's preparing for battle, uh, and, and we get the same thing out on the sea. Um, yeah, I mean, but, we get the, the, the scene with Davos and his son, don't we, where they talk, no, there's lots of, you know, gods be kind and... Uh, just a recap that um, Stannis is going to make him his hand and make Davos his hand, and Davos is trying to play it all off. He's trying to be very humble, and he said, um, "He said, oh, um, gods be kind' or something like that." And the son, the son, no God. There's only one, and he looks yeah. after us all, and all this, and, and just bringing it because we haven't had Lord of Light and all this bullshit for a couple of weeks. So just reminding us of this, and then it's it's reiterated later with um, with Varys. So I mean, it's 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 a nice way of setting that up, and I think it, it it's something this episode does quite well. It harks back to things just because you know you're going to need them. Uh, yeah, you know, in a lot of cases, it it's almost like this episode has been handled by somebody who understands the craft of storytelling. It <laughs> yeah. is a novel idea, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so the first, I mean, yeah, that's that's a good scene between the two of them. Um, yeah, and, I like it. It's, we, we get the counterpoint when we go over to King's Landing and, and my first real note. Um, straight out the gate, Bronn throws his hat in the ring for, for best line of the episode. And, and I don't think it gets topped, to be no, honest. I don't think it does. Um, you know, it, as a counterpoint, we see Bronn and his men sort of eating, drinking and being merry um, and, and whoring whilst they're at it as well. Mm. Um, he's giving a story about how many times he's broken his nose yeah. to a whore. Um 
to which she responds, poor nose. To which he responds, ah, don't feel sorry for him. He'll be halfway up your ass before the night's through. <laughs> yeah, um, right. it, it is, and it, it's very, it's no, it's a very typical Braun line. But again, I mean, as we talked about um, last week when we were talking about the um, the media clock story and the whole thing, gratuitous nudity, again, entirely pointless part of the scene. Um, yeah, we, we don't we need didn't the need, I agree. We didn't need the multiple whores. We didn't need him making a really fucking difficult job of undressing her. Um, I think and... I think the multiple whores is okay in as much as it's suggesting these are uncouth men and this is how they're going to spend potentially their last night. They're what already don't drinking need to see is all of them undressed. Well, this is it. I mean, listen, we don't need to see naked women walking around. I mean, I, well, this sounds terrible because you now as a red-blooded heterosexual male, I like watching naked women, but it's it's unnecessary. You know, we, they've already established that they're they're drunken soldiers because they're singing war songs while getting pissed in a tavern. Um, whereas on the other side are preparing for battle, um, so you know we've already done that. We don't need we don't necessarily need it, and I think that it's it's again it's quite distracting um, and entirely gratuitous. It is entirely gratuitous. We certainly don't need them to be naked. I have no problem with them being there. Um, I think it it adds something to the scene that they are sort of whoring, um, if you like. But yeah, we definitely don't need to see them naked. And if nothing else, it allows us to get that line off Bron, which I found absolutely yes. hilarious. Yeah, I um, did. I, I, I had to uh, had to pause it at that point because I was laughing so much, and the guy sat behind me was wondering what I was doing. Yeah, and and then you know that's good, and that's you know that's funny, but then. We kind of get this showdown with the hound then that kind of and, and again, this is this shows that there's somebody both writing and directing here that understands the craft of storytelling because yeah. we're constantly getting the, the build up of tension and the release. We're constantly getting suspense release, suspense release, yeah. suspense release. So we've just had we've had that slow opening where we're panning along the ship and what have you and the conversation between Davos and then. Bron sort of breaks that for us. He breaks the tension, but then in comes the hound and the two of them kind of go toe-to-toe and that tension just ratchets right back up again. It's an excellent standoff between the two of them. Um, And it really puts us on edge and carries through the next scene. Then when we hear the bells start ringing, um, it's why didn't we start with this? Well, that's it. And you could have started with this and then moved, moved out to the ships and then into the, into the town. And that's fine. Um, Although again, this another great um, another great line where um, the bells start ringing and Varys says something on the lines of oh, "I always hate the sound of well of, of bells. It always means battle." And Tyrion says, "Or marriage." Yes, uh, and it's, it's it's again it's it's another one. Had it not been for for Bronze line in the previous scene, it would have been it would have been a contender for uh, line of the episode because again it's so throwaway and it's it's very typically what Tyrion does. He's very no he he has that quick-wittedness he has that um that acerbic nature and yeah he just throws it out there without thinking about it and yeah it just it just it lands really well it lands it no it it, it moves things on quite well um and again we've got this whole thing of um uh, uh podrick is, is is putting Tyrion in his armor and baron of Varys, oh, podrick isn't it um oh, uh no i'm I, I thought you knew all the boys in the in the kingdom Oh, I'm entirely sure. I don't know what you mean. I'm entirely sure. You're entirely sure what I mean. It's, it's this nice sparring we had. We had some of it last week with Varys yeah. and Tyrion as well. And again, it just carries that on. It's really well. And it, it I know it. Uh, no, I shouldn't laugh a little bit. It, it just looks quite funny because obviously the armor that Tyrion is wearing as well, it, because it's no, it's it's a it's a it's a body sized tunic. But because he's he, because he's um, because he's a dwarf, it comes down past his nuts and down to his knees. 
Yes. And again, it just, it just looks it looks really funny, and it's not supposed to. Um, and it's quite hard to take him seriously at that point because he's just like he might as well be there in a metal dress. Yeah, um, I get what you're saying. It does look odd on him. I actually think it kind of looks good. Badass, though. It does. It looks good. It just looks a bit disjointed because obviously we see so many people in armor throughout the show, yeah. and it just looks as though. I mean, with all the money his family have got, and the fact that would have to be custom made anyway, you'd think they'd make one that fits. Yeah, I guess. Um, but yeah, I I don't have an issue with it. I think he looks badass, and, and in fact, I think this episode does a fantastic job of really selling Tyrion. Of really, it again to use wrestling parlance as I did last week to really give him the push. They oh, really yeah. push him over in this episode. Like they, they build him as a hero here. You know, throughout the show, he's always been as as we've said, sort of the most likable Lannister, and and he's shown these kind of um, these comedic properties and he's he's had his moments where he's risen to the occasion and stuff like that but this absolutely propels him forward into one of the show's greatest heroes and it starts here in this scene um with again a, a great line from Varys and, and expertly delivered it's one of those lines um, and i think we had this in the last george R. R. martin episode as well i remember talking about it where there are these lines in here which could be dreadful if yes. they weren't handled properly they would land with a resounding thud but it's delivered perfectly. You know, we get the whole speech about how there's a, you know, there's going to be a battle coming and how Stannis is on his way. And Varys says, tonight, I believe you are the only man who can stop him. That is a great line. It is a cheesy line, but it's yeah. delivered perfectly. It goes over perfectly. And it's great stuff. It really builds Tyrion as the hero of this episode. And yeah. right now, the hero of the show. You know, he's taken a hero's journey here. He has to lead a battle. He's going to war. Yeah. Um, and, and I mean, not only that, I mean, it's it's quite it's quite interesting because at this point, I think he's the only one who believes they can win. Yes. Because, I mean... All the all the drunken the drunken soldiers downstairs, including Bronn and the Hound, they're all going into it. Okay, they're all pissed up, but you get the impression the Hound is just not. You know, he he he's got a really bad feeling about this. He's not wanting to get involved. He's you no know, he's he's distancing himself a bit. Bronn is just Bronn. He's his usual cocksure shit himself. But you you get the impression that actually you know what, it's not necessarily the thing I want to do. Mm-hmm. And he's just kind of there. Whereas Tyrion's going well. Okay, we have to do this for the good you know, for the good of the kingdom because if we don't, we're all going to die. No, my head will be on a spike the same as uh, the same as Joffrey. So let's not do that. I think he's the only one who's going. Yeah, I've got a plan. I know what I'm doing, and we're going to win this. Um, and everybody else is kind of doubting that. And I mean, we get into the scene. Uh, I think we've jumped around a little bit. I think we might have sort of got the order a little bit wrong, which isn't the end of the world. Um, but there's a scene with Cersei and Mister Pycelle where he gives her a vial of something. I can't remember what it's called. Yes, yeah, so that's back at the um, start. But I mean, yeah. I, I think at the time when I was making the notes, it just, it felt like a fairly nothing scene. Um, it, it, it is and it isn't. I mean, it, it does well because she, it moves her along. Oh, it starts her off for where she's going to go later in the episode. That Yeah, again, it even, pays even off. she doesn't but, believe they're going to win. Yeah. I mean, when we get to the bunker later on or wherever it is, that even she doesn't believe that they're going to win. So the fact that Tyrion is there and he, he's, getting, he's getting suited up, he's getting kitted up and he's like, yeah, fucking going to war, man. Um, it's it's no, it it really does sort of set set him apart from everybody else. Yeah, and as I say, that line from Varys really helps to push him over. You know, he is he is a hero here. He's rising to the occasion. Yeah. Um. It, yeah, and it just it's gets the blood pumping. You know that that uh, we're then straight into this this next scene where the drums start going and the tension just really ratchets nicely again. It just it, we just tighten the screw that little bit more. You know, we've had that scene with Bron and the Hound and it gets a bit tense. Then again, the slight release 
with with Tyrion and uh, and Varys where he's saying you're a hero you can do this so again the just the slightest little release and then straight back into it with the drums starting yeah. again um uh, but then again we just break that tension ever so slightly with that this lovely scene between Bronn and Tyrion as they just meet on their way to battle yeah and, and just give each other this kind of acknowledgement that you know it, it's it's the complete antithesis of the awkward bro moment between John and Rob back in season one. Like yeah, this is, definitely. this is far removed from that. This is two men, uh, both confident in their abilities, um, both in their own ways, leaders here. Cause Bron's going to be leading the army as well. Yeah. Um, and just both acknowledging that, you know, this might be the end of their friendship because one of them may very possibly die tonight. And whilst yeah. neither of them has ever said to the other or acknowledged the fact that they're close friends and that, you know, yes, they do love each other uh, because they do share a friendship yeah. and they, they don't need to say it here. It goes unspoken. They just need to say sort of be careful. I'll see you yeah. when it's over. I think. Yeah, that's it. And, it, and it's it handled really well. perfectly. I mean, yeah. The second half of this scene um, where, Sansa, uh, they leave, and Sansa and Joffrey um, have their little exchange. I just want to punch him in the face. So do I. But Sansa is brilliant. She is, and she's. I mean, yeah. So she, she absolutely, and no, she undoes him completely here, Um, and to a point where, like, she, no, she does it so deftly. You know, she, he makes a comment. Oh, a king doesn't explain battle strategy to stupid little girls. You're right, yeah. you Grace. I'm stupid. What I'm sorry, was. I'm stupid. Yeah, yeah, she plays him like an absolute fiddle. Yeah, she's just she's growing in power week yeah. by week. Now, and and the, she's, there's she's a really look... starting to morph into the character that that I grew to love by the end yeah. of the show. That's right. And there's a look from Tyrion where I mean, we had it a couple of weeks ago. Tyrion made a comment like, "No, you may survive us all," or something like that. And again, you just look, you see him looking where he's just like. Yeah, I can kind of see what no, she she gets it. She's starting to understand in a way that Ned never did, and the way that a lot of people don't understand the way the game is played. Sansa is starting to understand it and to play it herself, and we'll yes. get more of that later on um, when uh, when she's uh, locked in with with Cersei and the other women. So yeah, I mean, Joffrey, yes, he's an annoying little prick and want to punch him in the face, but um, Sansa was absolutely brilliant here. Sophie Turner did a really good job. Yeah, it's, it's it's great stuff. Um, and then straight off the back of that, we're we're into this sort of uh, this initial scene with with Tyrion sort of scoping out what he's going to do, and Joffrey kind of hovering over him, trying to be the king, but not having a clue. Uh, yeah. And once again, you know, we get to, after Sansa's just made a fool of him, Tyrion begins to dress him down as well, um, yeah. and, and does it once again with with complete sort of just utter conviction, like he's not afraid to speak to Joffrey and put him in his place. Um, and it's once again great. Tyrion again is is a true hero here. You know this is his battle. Joffrey's the king, yeah. but this is Tyrion's battle. Oh yeah, Joffrey absolutely. needs I mean, to fucking well do as he says. Yeah, yeah. and um, I mean the fact that I mean T- Joffrey's all now. Where, where are the ships? Where are the men? What's going on? What are you doing? And Tyrion's just there. Um, he, the expression he's wearing on his face is just shut the fuck up and let me get on with my job. Yeah. You know, if you want to do it yourself, if you think you can do better, jog on, mate. Otherwise, fuck off. Yes. Yeah. And it, yeah, again, it works really well. And I mean, we get a lot of that. Th- I mean, right up until we get the um, the big reveal with the um, with the ships shortly. Um, yeah, Joffrey has no idea what he's doing, and Tyrion is just, just enduring. And he's just putting up with him because he knows actually when his plan comes through, it's gonna it's gonna shut him up. It's gonna shut everybody up. Yes, uh, but of course, we don't quite know about the plan yet. It's there's a little tip to us just before we cut away. Yes, you know, 
um, which is, again, very well done and very clever writing and the type of thing that we have not seen on this show very, to date. Very, very rarely. Uh, there's, there's actual seeding here, yeah. um, which fucking hell. Um, you know, that that's a rarity, um, and I appreciate it greatly. Um, yeah. So then I think it's then we get to our first scene with Cersei and Sansa, I think is just following this, isn't it? Or is that yes. later on? I believe I it's th- just th- following this. Yeah, I think it is, yeah. Where we get the exchange about traitors, isn't it? Yes, that's right, yeah. Yeah, which, again, is, you know, eloquent writing. You know, it's people not not just saying what they think out loud. Uh, This is people talking in riddles. You know, there is there there are connotations here. It's not just a case of I am going to tell you exactly how I feel right now, because that is how a story works. Goodbye. Yeah, that's, that's what we need to do. Um, yeah. yeah, no, it, it it works really well. Um, and uh, the whole thing about um, say talking about you know, about traitors, the fact that Ilan Payne is there and Sansa's uncomfortable, yeah. obviously because he executed her father. And so you know, said, oh, what's he doing? He's here to protect us. And then she sends him off straight away. And so, as again, as as a viewer, you know, you kind of think, well, he's not there to protect them. Presumably, he's there to kill them if it all goes pear shaped. Um, but Sansa, being as naive as she is, doesn't quite twig that. Um, so then she goes back. No, she goes. She leaves. Um, Cersei. Cersei makes her drink, um, which is always fun. So I'm getting minus pissed, obviously. It's um, like they're playing some sort of weird drinking game, isn't it? It it's is. Like every time I make drink. a failed threat, you drink. You drink. Yeah. And if you don't, I'll tell you to drink. Yeah. Um, yeah so I mean that I, I did. I did think that as well. Actually, it was quite funny. Um, but yeah. So we, you know, we we cut away from that. But I mean, when we go back to that later on again, Cersei is considerably more pissed. Um, and she starts mocking. This episode. Her she is sent into crazy old pissed lady. Yeah, it's fantastic. She's I, absolutely wonderful in this episode. Yeah. I mean, I mean, again, generally, give her anything that's half decent or better, and Lena Headey will do a fantastic job with it. Give her a lot of the dialogue that they give her, and she she makes it what she can, but some of it she struggles with. I think a little bit. I think that's true of everybody. Um, but yeah, I mean, generally she doesn't go far wrong. I mean, we, we say this time and time again, but I mean, she's in terms of the performers in the show, I think she's one of my favorites. Yeah. Um, and, and as you say, you give her the right stuff and she's great. The writing is eloquent here for, yeah. for a change, which makes yeah, a nice difference right. in the show. As I say, I do love the, the line traitors are a danger to us all. I love the delivery. I love the venom behind it. And I love yeah. the veiled threat. Um, yeah. it's, it's great. It's clever, clever writing. Um, and thank Christ, it's about time. Um, yeah. So then We're we get, only we get back. In, so I can't rush this. Yeah. Well, I mean, we have seen some writing of of this quality, and I'd argue better um, in two previous episodes that I can think of. Yeah. But you know, that's still including this one, three episodes out of nineteen. So not a great batting average. Not um, really. No. We get back outside, um, and we get the reveal of the wildfire which again is great it's handled so well you know yes. we, we call back to right back at the start of the season um and, and we see that the kind of we allow we're allowed to see the slow trickle of the wildfire yeah. coming out of the boats and fucking hell we've got a director that understands drama so he <laughs> lets us in on what's going to happen just before it happens instead of just again smacking us in the face with it well yeah it, that's right you're just allowed to go What's that green sh- Oh, well, that's I remember. It, I mean, we've we've only seen it in a little vial, haven't we? So we haven't yeah. seen it in that quantities, and we it, 
it's different again because of the color palette. I don't think it's no, it's not massively different. But when we saw it, it was kind of like an ectoplasmic green, you know, from yeah. uh, from Ghostbusters. Whereas here, obviously, because it's darkened, it looks a bit more um, a bit more menacing. But it, it's so vivid against the gray, it still stands out. But you've you've still you still kind of got to think. Hang on, what's that? And, and that's how it works. You're thinking, hold on, what is it? And you realize at the same time as the characters when they go yeah. wildfire. Oh shit! It's too late everything's on fucking fire now well that's Played it. for and got beautifully handled Tyrion's a fucking genius yeah um great and my god that wide shot of the fleet on fire yes with the just green fire spouting up into the sky is beautiful it's yeah. absolutely stunning yeah it, it is really good it works really well i think the Again, when you start going, you go back close into people kind of jumping off the boats because they're on fire and the, the the fire spreading and all that sort of stuff. Again, it looks fantastic. It, it works and, really well. And because we're not we're not concentrating on that big wide shot, we are so close in. And we can you know, we can hear people screaming. You can practically smell skin burning at this point. It just it really drags you into that. You know, you you are right there with it. You are, and and there is a beautiful juxtaposition on the reaction shots here when it cuts back, and Tyrion's realised what he's done, and realised yeah. the, the death toll, and there is a look of absolute horror yeah. on his face, and then there we is. cut instantly to Joffrey behind him, who yeah, is grinning from ear to ear with utter glee. That's um, it. I think. I mean, there's, there's there's a contrast between those two, but everybody else is kind of sort of slack jawed about that. What the fuck did he just yeah. do? How did he do that? But and every everyone's kind of amazed, whereas Joffrey is absolutely elated by it because presumably it means he's going to keep his throne. Um, and but Tyr- yeah, Tyrion is. I mean, and again, the 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 way the sound is, the sound carries. Uh, you can just hear the the screams as he's screams. looking out. Yeah, and, and he just looks yeah, horrified. You, and you can just see the the sort of comprehension of what he's actually done. Yeah. Yes, okay, it was a great strategic move. It was a great military move. But oh my god, I've just killed th- hundreds, if not thousands, of people. And it will take its Holy toll. Holy yeah. balls. And it will take its toll. And when, you, as I say, when you see that juxtaposition as well between him and Joffrey, like you, you fully understand each of those characters in that yeah. moment. Great writing does not need dialogue. And no. this is a prime example of that. They don't need to say anything. It's all there for us. Yeah. Um, and again, wonderful fair play to the, um, to, to, to the two actors, uh, Peter Dinklage and um, Jack Leeson. They've probably... It's probably some of the best work we've had from the pair of them to date. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I say, and as you said, you didn't have to say a word. No, no word spoken. Um, it's just, it's just great writing and it's handled perfectly by the cast and the director. Yeah. Um, it's brilliant moment. Absolutely brilliant. Um, we, we spend some time back off with that. And, and we will move quickly through this episode because actually, it is a fast-moving episode from it here on out. It it's essentially it a, quite a a two or three scenes is what it is that we just cross-cut between. Yeah. Um, incidentally, we cross-cut between them properly, not like <laughs> in episodes that have been handled by Benioff and Weiss, yeah. where it's all over the shop. Um, we actually go with natural points. So we're back with Stannis, and this is where he takes a heel turn. Um, yes. Uh, but it's not out of nowhere is the thing. In the heat of the battle, it doesn't feel like it hasn't been worked for you know we, we know that stannis is determined and we've had we've had his reasoning last week so you know much like with the other famous heel turn that we'll try and <laughs> avoid talking about too much till we get there like yeah, yeah, yeah. 
you understand why this happens but but it's a heel turn nonetheless you know when he's told if you do this hundreds will die and he corrects them and says no thousands, thousands. yeah and takes the action anyway because at this point he has to he's come well, this far this is it i mean if he if he turns tail and runs now the all they've lost all those ships they've lost all those people and they've achieved fuck all and that's that's what war is now you you don't turn around and say actually you know what don't feel like it today. I'm going to go away because you've just decimated my fleet. So he, no, he, ha- he has to plow on, and as a as a general, as a as a king, he has to accept that there will be casualties. But it's for what you would what he perceives as a greater good, because he's in the right. He's the rightful king, etc., etc., etc. So it's it's justified because no, yes. they're 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 putting things right. So yes, okay, people will die. I know people will die, and that's that's regrettable. That's lamentable. But they knew what they signed on for. And at the end of the day, I want to be sitting on that fucking chair, that really uncomfortable looking chair with all the spikes in it. Yeah. And again, it's interesting here that I say he takes a heel turn, but only in so much that Tyrion has thus far been framed as the hero of this battle because well, yeah, that, they that's have invaded the thing, army. Yeah, but there's and... no, truthfully, there's no hero here, as we've just seen with Tyrion's horror when he realizes how many people he's killed. And well, now. Yeah with Stannis' determination, but he knows that he's going to take thousands of lives with him. There is no hero here, in truth. No. This and, is and war. Think, yeah, and I, I think that's kind of the point, isn't it, is that yes. people are doing what they have to do, whether they yes. like it or not, and whether they will whether they will eventually have to you know, to deal with that. I mean, I said, throughout this show, Tyrion has to deal with the weight of decisions he makes because mm-hmm. he gets himself into uh, he gets himself into scenarios, he gets himself into positions of power, Whereby he has to make decisions that are for the again the greater good, but as a result, people suffer. Yes. Um, and yeah, this is this is a very good episode for that. And I think that again, because of the way it's been written and it's been directed, that's handled quite well. Whereas other writers and directors we've had on in in this season and in the first season possibly wouldn't have done it the justice it deserves, and possibly wouldn't have done it as well. And I think we'd have been having an entirely different conversation about it right now. Yeah, I agree. I think this pairing, writer and director, works very, very well. They're clearly kind of in sync with each other. Yeah. Um, I think Neil Marshall is capable of handling most things anyway, regardless of who's written it. You know, he is a very competent director. Um, But yeah, I I feel like like these two have just, they've really found each other's groove here and they're working really well together. Um, So we cut back to Cersei again, back in her in her chamber um with with all the women um and it's cersei getting mean drunk with sansa essentially and it's it's the absolute best that cersei has been for weeks in my opinion the last i mean she's been so fucking underused yeah she just hasn't really had much to do and when when we have seen her just for the sake of seeing her actually particularly two weeks ago some of her dialogue was fucking abysmal yeah um but you know she's back on top form here she's like a caged animal down here yeah. um you know she she just wants to to get out and take charge and she can't yes. um, so instead she just toys with everyone and everything around her um she goes full on wicked queen in this room yes um and it's great it, it's really really good stuff the rape discussion is unfortunate and distasteful um and it actually undoes a lot of the good i think that was being done earlier in the scene uh, because yeah. again there is a lot of good dialogue from her there's a lot of subtlety there's a lot of veiled threat and then we just flat out get into discussion about rape which is frankly uncalled for and unneeded 
Yeah, um, that's right. I mean, I think that the we, we've had enough from her, which is implied. We don't need an explicit threat. Uh, no. Actually, if that door gets opened, you're getting raped. That's unnecessary. It's unseemly. And I think that it possibly is the low point for the episode. I think it absolutely is. I totally agree. And I've written that here. It undoes a lot of good. Um, the episode is so good that I just let it fly past me. Um, in a worse episode, I would probably be ranting about this for quite a while. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I just let it fly past me because we're straight back into the battle uh, and it's gory, grim and great is yes. what I've written. It, it's just people, again, their heads cut in half, you know, we, and, and we're yeah. getting down and dirty with it. We we're are, in with the troops. It's, yeah. it's, it's good. It's well shot. It's it, exciting. It yeah, and we, we again, we get this nice bit with, um, with the hound whereby... We, we were told very early on that his brother burned his face in a fire for playing with one of his toys, and that's kind of never been mentioned again. Now all of a sudden we see him with fire, and he's a cowering dog. Um, no pun intended. Um, and he's just he just turns into an absolute little bitch um, because there's some fire around. And he then, for for their standoff earlier, he is effectively rescued by, um, by yeah, Bron. Yeah, he's rescued by Bron, which is a lovely touch. Again, a call back to earlier on and a nice payoff to that scene. Yeah. Um, you know, you get the impression that this standoff was all really didn't come from a position of pure hate. It was all just macho posturing anyway. Yeah, that's so, right. So Bron just kind of digging him out. It is great. It's a nice payoff to that scene and gives Bron the upper hand. And just before that does happen, we we cross cut back and forth this battle, as I say, and yeah. and we've just sort of missed one cut back to Cersei uh, in the middle of that, where she has a discussion with Sansa and Anatas, and I and it's all down to her delivery. The line is good, but it's her delivery that really nails it. Another contender for for line of the episode for me. It's not particularly funny. It's just great. Um, where we get this exchange. Uh, where Sansa says to her, you were Robert's queen. And she responds with, and you will be Joffrey's. Enjoy. Yeah. And it's the delivery of it is just absolutely merciless. Well, this is, uh, and I mean, we've seen some some uh, occasions, or some instances of this with Cersei before, where she does have these moments of brutal honesty. Yeah. And this is one of them. And partly, it's partly because she's drunk, but also because she's just like, that's the stupidest thing you've ever said, you stupid little bitch. Oh, yeah, yes, I know. It's just pay for it. Yeah. yeah. So yes, I, I'm aware of that because I had I had, to, I had to sleep next to him for over many years. It was doesn't mean it was worth. Doesn't mean it was worthwhile. Doesn't mean it was anything else. It was just something I had to endure. Um, and yeah, it's just her coming back at coming out swinging because she doesn't want anybody anybody seeing any sort of vulnerability or any sort of reality to her. They want she wants them to see this all powerful woman. Um, who is just you know, she's she's in this room because she's not allowed to go and fight, but she'd be out there kicking ass like everybody else, and so because of that, she's just going to lay into Sansa and anybody else she can find, and then starts on uh, starts on Shay, which is um, again it's slightly comical, it's entirely unnecessary, um, but yeah, it just no, it is what it is really. Uh, yeah, um, but but the addition of Shay into the scene adds an extra level of tension. Yes, um, I quite like it. Um, well, yeah, especially because we had the thing last week whereby they kidnapped Roz, yes. thinking that she was Shay, and also that that is there. Um, but yeah, the the whole thing of um, oh, I had a whatever she's from servant girl once. Um, you've been here ten years, you don't even know to cur- you know, curtsy. What's wrong with you, sort of thing? It's like it's yes, she's being mean, but we've already had her at sort of the peak of her powers with Sansa. We don't need her you know, doubling down on it. Because but again, weak. though, it's the the scene isn't so much about her being mean. That's what's written. 
um and and, and that's kind of that is one reading of it but it's more about just like with tywin and io it's more about i i fucking see you shay i i fucking know what's going on here she might not have put it together that that she's Tyrion's uh, lover yet but it's definitely like something doesn't add up with you and i know and i will get to the bottom of it um but she's doing it at the moment in that kind of passive aggressive way that she's such an expert at, you know, much like she's cut Sansa down to size in the same way over the course of two seasons mm. where she's been friendly at one juncture and then out comes the veiled threat the next. And and this is that again, I think, you know, it's not literally her ridiculing Shay for not being able to curtsy. It's more, yeah, your story is bullshit, my dear. Yeah. And we are going to get to the bottom of it. Yeah, no, I, I see that. I just think that for for where we are, it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily fit. I think it possibly it it takes away you no know, momentum in this episode has been very good. It's you know it's it's gone along a lick, and I think that it's just something that possibly added two minutes to the scene which it didn't need. Uh, yeah, maybe, maybe. Um, I don't dislike it though. So I, no, I, I just I think it was it slightly misplaced. But yeah, it's it's it it's it, it's not it's it's not a distraction from the episode as a whole. It just I, I felt it could have come possibly in the next episode and have been slightly more impactful. But that's just me. Yeah, um, we do. I'm not sure exactly where it happens because I, I don't think I've noted it anywhere, but we do get a nice moment with Shay as well just before Sansa sort of gets out of there um, where, where Shay's kind of telling her to go and Sansa says, you can't stay here, they'll rape you. Yeah, uh, And she just reveals that she's she's packing heat. She has a knife yep. strapped to her leg and she just very determinately says, no one is raping me. Yeah. Um, and it's again a nice moment. I like Shay a great deal, as I've said before. And yeah, just she absolutely means it. If anyone comes near her, she's going to stab him in the fucking eyeball. No yeah. doubt about it. Um, so we get back to the battle, and we get this bit with with Bron saving the Hound, which we've talked about. Yeah. Uh, and then again, we get a nice juxtaposition between the two sides, where we've got Stannis leading his men from the front. He fights well. He is yes. a good fighter. He leads the attack, and yeah, actually he's, they he's turn right the on the tide. front of that yeah. first boat. He is. He's straight up there, straight to the wall, and they actually manage to turn the tide of the battle, at which point Joffrey, instead of leading his own men from the front, dutifully runs away. Well, uh, I mean, the, the whole... I mean, it's been, geared, it's been geared to that, and obviously um, Cersei has sent uh, Lancel to get him, and you can. Again, there's a thing of, you know, the, the, queen, the queen has summoned you or whatever else, and Joffrey immediately knows what's going on. He's like, oh, did she have some urgent... No, and Tim's like, he can't go, he's leading the army. Oh, did she have some urgent business for, for me? And Lancel just completely fucks it up and goes, "I don't know, my lord. She didn't say. I'm like, Grace, she didn't say." And you can just see that. No, you can just see Joffrey sort of smacking, smacking his face, going, "Oh, dull twat." Um, but yeah, so then he dutifully fucks off, and immediately the the army lose that. No, they lose their men. They might as well be. Um, they might as well be you know, peasants with uh, with sticks at that point because nobody's willing to fight for him because he's run off. Uh, signified, and again clever writing here okay now this is a whole army so you can see it visually because you can see them dwindle but rather than give you a huge expository line of oh don't go you'll lose the men or whatever which is hinted at throughout but rather than literally say that what we get instead is we get the delivery from the hound that absolutely hammers the message home for you if you didn't understand what was happening where he says fuck the king's guard fuck the city and fuck the king yeah and it is 
on the one hand it makes perfect sense for his character because that's where he's at right now but on yeah. the other hand as i say it gives us that story beat it's clever writing it's exposition that you didn't know was hitting you between the eyes yeah. and that is about the best trick you can pull as a writer it's very very good um I like it a lot. It's a good moment. Um, I like the hound anyway, so yes, yeah. I like it. Um, but yeah, that's good. And then just when you think it can't get any better, we finally get Tyrion rising to the occasion, which has been hinted at throughout the episode. You know, he's going to be the hero. He's going to take the lead, and here he comes. He gets upon gets him on the battlements, and he gives his brave heart speech. Yes, um, you know, and he manages to rally the troops behind him. This this half man, this until now object of ridicule. Um, yeah. suddenly rises to the occasion, stirs up the troops, and it works as this kind of brilliant sort of end of Act 2, start of Act 3 yeah. sort of transition where this this is hopeless. We're being led into battle by a half-man. How can we possibly win? But well, yeah. I mean, you not know only what? That. We'll follow him. Yeah, I mean, not only that, the, the, the whole thing of the speech, and it ends really well. You talk about, this is Stannis. He's coming to take your, no, take your home, take your gold, rape your women. And he said, "Well, they're at the gates, and we can't, you know, we we can't get out." And he said, "Yeah, I'll show you how to get out. It's fine. We'll come around behind them and fuck them in the asses." Um, yeah. And it's just that the cheer that gets. I mean, no, for a for for a show that's not exactly famed for its subtlety, that's that was quite a, quite a good line. Um, but yeah, you know, I said he completely wins them over to a point where we were only talking three weeks ago, whereby people in the street were calling him a, a demon monkey. You know, yes. it's you know this this guy is hated. Um, but he leads them into battle, um, and yeah, this this is his moment. This is no, this is his his uh, his big bit. This is his chance for glory, and it works for a while. Um, and I can't remember where we where we cut to next, but then the next uh, time we go we back see to them... Cersei, and we get this brilliant scene where Lancel runs in, yes, to tell her what's going on, and she's quite displeased with him. So she just because he's trying essentially to argue the case for Joffrey leading the battle, and... yes. He makes the mistake of trying to stand up to her, <laughs> foolish boy. Well, um, I mean, it's it's made worse by the fact as well that he was injured earlier on. He got hit by an arrow yes. um, in the in the shoulder, and she just hits him in the wound. She just wails on him. She just um, smacks his armor into the wound, and yeah. he cries like a little bitch with a skin knee. Um, um, and again, just just the fact that she's been building up this kind of mean, drunken vibe all episode, yeah. and it just all gets leveled straight at him, and it's. It's kind of the first time we've really seen her get physical like that. Yes. Um, and it's a, in a way, it is a little bit shocking. It's like, oh, fuck, she, she's not afraid to throw down. Because well, until this she's... point, she's been this kind of master manipulator almost, just getting everybody else to do a bit in for her and using, yeah. using her wiles and her words to get what she wants. But here she's absolutely like, nah, do you know what? Shit's getting real. I'm drunk. Yeah, fuck this fuck noise. You. I'm going. Yeah. And, and off she storms. She takes Tom and with her. Um, and off she goes to um, to God knows where at this point. And again, Sansa steps up. She shows a bit Takes of leadership. A huge leap in character yeah. here. Huge. And she's this a... really thrusts her forward yeah. light years. This I mean, scene. we we had early on where um, Cersei's mocking her for praying and yes. saying why she doesn't pray and all the rest of it. And Sansa's first thing is, no, we no, the the queen is no, the queen is doing this for our, no for our good. She's kept us in here, which where we're the, this is the safest place in the city. I think we should pray or sing a hymn or whatever it is. And she rallies those women. She gets them. She takes their mind off the fact that actually somebody's been beating that door down in a minute to start raping everybody. We'll just not concentrate on that. We'll we'll focus on the good. We'll focus on the positive. We'll keep people's spirits up. And this is the, probably the first time where she shows any sort of leadership chops. And like she's had a really 
shit time up to now and she's been i mean the first season she was kind of simpering and idiotic but she's no she's had a pretty shit time she will have an even shitter time seasons three four five um possibly six as well i can't remember um and then i said you know she she grows into that leadership role but this is really the first step for her where she's like actually she's commanding a group of people and saying look i know how i know how we can get through this it might seem stupid but let's just carry on as we are let's just do this and this will pass the time and take your minds off the fact that you're all about to be horribly raped and murdered and it's a really good move for her it is it is um as i say it's a it's a quantum leap forward for her character it's it's excellent stuff yeah um and then of course she she leaves after this discussion this is where the discussion happens with shay yeah she leaves now for the second time in a couple of weeks what the fuck is the hound doing in her chamber and where did he come from? Well, I yeah. know he left the battle, but why of all places does he go to Sansa's chamber? He doesn't know that she's going to be there. In fact, he wouldn't at all expect her to no, be he'd there. No, he expect her to be down he'd in where, to be where they're hiding. So yeah. he kind of asks her to go with him and stuff. But it, it it's just one of those complete lapses in logical reasoning. Yes, it is. Just pull you out of a story. Like they could have run into each other in a hole. corridor yeah absolutely like I for, mean, for him to be there makes no fucking sense whatsoever and it pulls me straight out of this scene and again they've they've done it for sure they've done it for shock they've done it to give it to add an air of menace because she's there she goes in she does exactly as she's told her she bars the door she puts all the furniture against her she locks herself in she is secure nobody's getting in conversely she ain't fucking getting out and no. then he speaks, and again, it just ramps up this threat because all the way through, she's been terrified, or probably because of the way he looks, because she's a superficial cunt. But she's been absolutely terrified of him since day one, and all of a sudden, she's just barricaded herself in the room with him. So there's this implied threat straight away until he opens his mouth, um, and I think that's why they've done it. But I say logically, it doesn't work from the show's own internal logic. That doesn't work because there's no reason for her to go to that room. And there's no reason for him to sit there and wait to be picked off. No. It just doesn't make any sense. None whatsoever. So, and then again, why is he offering to take her back north? What, I what know. purpose is that? Again, it doesn't make any sense. He spent the entire show keeping her in line, keeping everybody in line for Joffrey. Then all of a sudden, it's like, well, I'm I'm leaving. You can come with me. I'll look after you. I'll never hurt. I won't hurt you. I'm going north. Maybe I'll go to Winterfell. Like, why? Seriously, what the fuck? Yeah, makes makes no fucking sense. We don't need this scene at all, to be honest. Um, but nevertheless, it's the it's it's the worst scene in this episode, I think. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's the whatever. The rest of the episode makes up for it. Yes. I'll, I'll give them this one. At least we didn't cut to fucking Karth. So. <laughs> well, I've got to say, actually, I mean, the, obviously, the whole episode takes place in and around this battle, and it's not it's. We talk every week about the lack of focus and how much it jumps around, and then when we get these episodes, normally we moan because they don't, they don't have an, they they're so focused they don't have enough focus. They're too sharp, and you don't you don't pick up the periphery of it. This one is actually done quite well, I think. That the fact that it's focused enough, but you can still you're not sort of so dragged into one, but you're not thinking about what's going on elsewhere. You're not thinking of, you know, while you're on the battlements. You're not thinking that oh, you're not forgetting there are ships coming. You're not forgetting there are people inside the walls. It it welds very well, and it's again, it's a testament to the writing because more heavy-handed writers have done on this show um, a lot worse. So it's it's quite a it's quite an interesting touch. Yeah, it is. I, I think it's it's super focused. Actually, it's yeah. It, we've got as I say, we've essentially 
got an A story and a B story here, oh, um, yeah. which is, which is classic for TV. We've got the A story of the battle and the B story of Cersei locked down in in the chambers. Yeah, and it works fine. We don't need anything else. Look at this point in the show, as you all know by now that listen, my two favorite characters are, are off and running. We've got John and Egret doing their thing. <laughs> north of the wall we don't see them at all this episode and i don't miss them because this no. is so focused well well that's know? it I th- I th- but i think it that's it it's properly focused it's not it's not focusing on too much minutia which we've had before where they have tried to focus and it's gone wrong and yeah. as we will have in later episodes as well whereby they try and they try and pull everybody away from the wider story even even the wider story of the, that particular moment so i mean when you get the battle of the bastards for example in season six you get so laser focused on ramsey you don't spot a lot of the other things that are going on, and think things aren't seeded because you don't have the opportunity. So it just you you end up you might as well be watching a documentary because you kind of there's no opportunity for any any thought. Um, whereas this one, I say this is probably the best example of a focused episode. I think. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, so we cut back to the battle from here. Uh, Tyrion leading the charge from behind. Uh, to fuck him in the this arm. bit, I spat coffee. Me all too. Over my I bet. Computer. I bet you're going to talk about the same thing that I've got on my next note here, which is just Tyrion <laughs> kneecaps the fucking soldier. And yeah, it's, it's just the fact that he hilarious. walks up behind him so absolutely matter, nonchalant, matter of fact, and he's got the axe. I, I think he's got the axe in one hand. Yeah, and he just just, just swipes him, him as if. As if you, you know, you'd see it in wrestling, whereby you know you tap, you you whip your hand, your your out your your flat palm at somebody's Achilles, and you you whip them up. But instead yeah. of that, he's got an axe in his hand, and he whips it very lightly, and it takes somebody off below the knee, and it, the leg just goes flying. <laughs> it's, it's brilliant because it, I, it's, I, I it's kind of akin spat... to it's kind of akin to him just going for a headshot. <laughs> well, yeah, that, that's it. And I mean, we had with um, we've had with Stannis. Um, we had it. Yeah, we have it very shortly where he, he literally takes the top of somebody's head off. Yeah. Um, we've had that, and then we get this one. And literally, I spat coffee all over my all over my computer. I spent 20 minutes on drying my keyboard um, yeah. because there was just coffee. I was taking buttons off and sticking tissues in it and all sorts just to try and dry it out um, because I just spat half a mug of coffee over it. Um, yeah, that was brilliant. And then you get the whole thing where that, again, turns the tide of the battle back towards the Lannisters, or towards the, um, towards, uh, the throne. And it works quite well. Um, you have this battle. They... They're quite they quite quickly dispatch the um they dispatch Stannis's army, and then again, they're all celebrating. And Tyrion turns around and says, "Oh fuck me!" Wonderful moment again, perfectly yeah. executed. The just delivery, the look, the look on Tyrion's face. face, the delivery, yeah, and, and then it's just the a cast back, yeah. absolutely destroyed, crushed. You know, his his moment of elation has been robbed because all of a sudden there's fucking thousands of the cunts on horseback bearing down on them. Yeah, and he knows he's now in the shit yeah and they're in the middle of celebrating as well so again it's that that tension and release you know we've had that little bit of a battle where it was swaying towards stannis then they come out turn it around they tip the boat over and they're all cheering and they celebrate they're singing his name and all yeah so we've had that release and then bang here's the gut punch actually now you're all gonna die yeah and yeah the, the line got me it was just oh fuck me and it and it's perfect. It's, it's not eloquent writing. No, it's, it's not, not a clever quip. It's none of those things. It's real for that moment. It's yes. what you know you would say in that moment. Yeah, you that's wouldn't. Right. You wouldn't think of something clever to say. You would just say, "Oh, fuck." Yeah, that, absolutely. Uh, and yeah, it's handled brilliantly. And again, the the, the shot in the reverse again, it's absolutely perfect. Again, a director who knows how to do it. Yep. Says a lot. Uh, 
and then all hell breaks loose. Tyrion takes one to the face. No, I didn't get this right. Tyrion takes one to the face from one of his own side. I thought that as well, but I yeah, didn't know it, if I was they're mistaken. In, they're in city guardship. They're in the the gold helmet and with the fucking dump the the three well, not plumes but the three ridges on top. It's one of the city guard that does it. Weird. And I I don't I can't remember why, but again the whole thing you you, get, you know the sword swings and he clearly gets hit because he recalls and you think oh fuck me Tyrion's dead and yeah, I remember I remembered seeing it first time gets, around. You're kind of unsure because he gets this kind of superficial cut. On well, his yeah, face. that's like, it. But it's I mean, not the whole... like they cleave his head in half like Stannis did to the guy. No, but I mean, the, the, when you get it, you you see the you see the guy swing and you see him kind of pull back, but then you see him just sort of recoil as if he's been no, he has been struck, obviously. But the, again, his his reaction to it, and you think, oh fuck me, they've killed Tyrion, you bastards, you bastard, yeah. <laughs> um, and it was just like, oh right, okay. And I, I when I, I remember watching it first time, and this was one of the first ones I actually probably watched. I mean, when I was. Let's say when I was first watching these, I was not working. I was spending a lot of time sort of playing FIFA and you know, in between looking for jobs. It's like, right, I'm going to sit down for an hour and play PlayStation and, and watch watch an episode of this. And this was the first one where I was like, right, okay, put the PlayStation remote down. I need to watch it. I need to concentrate on this. And I remember thinking, fuck, they've killed Tyrion. And had they done that, this would be a perfect example of how to how to kill someone properly yes. with purpose and meaning you've built him up as a hero he has a quest and he's died in that quest and yeah. then you've had the whole thing with bron so bron can go and avenge him all of the pieces are in play so for him not to die actually subverts your expectation and that's how you do that you don't just i was about to snap my fingers then i caught myself <laughs> you don't just off people for dramatic effect like this show does and expect it to work this is how you do it and then when you do subvert that it's that much more it's that much more impactful because all yeah. of a sudden then here comes Tyrion's white knight and it's not bron no it's, it's Pod, Podrick. which is perfect again because it's played for at the start of the episode yeah, they remind us of who pod is because he's kind of been in and out for the last couple of weeks he's still yeah. a relatively minor character he's got enough about him that we recognize him but we needed to be reminded that he's Tyrion squire earlier yes. on and so we get that little hint dropped in and again it's almost like somebody who understands the structure of storytelling wrote this because here he is doing what a squire should do, saving his his master. Yeah, um, that's right. and, and again, we had it last week or the week before with Jamie, whereby he was talking with his sixteenth cousin, fourteen times removed or whatever it was, um, about you know, that the, when he squired for um, Barris and Selmy, and when the when the the, the Lannister boy squired for him. We we've set up in the last couple of episodes. Well, you know, Martin's gone back and gone, right. Well, you've already given us this. I don't need to explain what how this works. You've already yeah. done that. I can just now move on from that and people will accept it because it, it follows on as a continuity. I don't need to tell people why he's done it. I don't need to thank him for it because that's his job. And we know that's a job because we've seen him doing it earlier in the episode. And you've told us two weeks ago what a squire does. Yeah. So, yeah, it works really well. Um, but, yeah, for me, I mean, when I first watched it and I thought, no, I, I thought I initially thought Tyrion was dead. I like, you know what? Fuck it. I, no, I can't. I'm not. That's the main reason I watch this for Tyrion. So I'm done. And then obviously he didn't die. And he gets this really cool scar for the next couple of years, which is fucking awesome. Yeah, although very superficial, as I say. <laughs> but but the, the, the scar does work quite well, actually, because, I mean, and the, the, again, the effect, the, make, the makeup effect on it is really good because it does open up and, beca and because of the way they've done it. 
Um, and it's obviously it's a, it's a technique they've used. But when his face is moving, it's kind of like the, the skin is flapping a little bit. And there's you no know, the where the blood is starting to clot, it sort of fills up a little bit, so it, it bulges, and it works really well. I think it it looks really good. Uh, I've I've never honestly noticed that. Um, I, but... I noticed that today. I didn't notice that first time around, but that was something I noticed today. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he, he pod saves the day, but and this is my only slight gripe here. It is slight, um, but I do have kind of an issue with the way the episode ends. Um, Tyrion really should have stayed in the fight to complete the battle here and complete his arc. Yeah. I feel like he's slightly been robbed of his hero status here. He doesn't have to eventually save the day. You can still have Tywin swoop in and do that. Yeah. But for him to be taken out and be inactive at the end, yeah, and just that's, kind of it in it a haze, yeah, it does cheapen it slightly. Now, as especially because he, especially because he missed out on this opportunity in the first battle that he didn't get to because he got knocked out early on. Yes, I mean it's kind of like the, it's almost as if they're saying, well, yeah, he can do all this fact that he can do all this great stuff. He's a great thinker, and you know he has inspired the troops and he has led them into battle, whereas the king didn't. But he's still not a full man, so we can't really give him that that moment. We can't let him have that because we would need him to be seen as less than less than human, less than heroic. At the end of the day, he's a, he's a half-man. So we we need to take that away from him. Which is a real shame. Because oh, yeah, definitely. I feel like we need it. Um, however, what we do get works, kind yes. of. Um, the only thing I will say, and I could be wrong, but I was pretty sure when Tywin rode out last week, he was going for Rob. Yeah. Not to King's Landing. Well, so... this is it. It's, I mean, and this is, I mean, we talked last week about um, the, the effects of linear time. Um, and the fact that nothing made fucking sense. So the fact he's popped, he's gone south instead of north, maybe you know, as well as not being able to tell the time, and he can't tell the difference between night and day when it's light and dark. He also can't tell the difference between north and south, you know, where one is snowing and the other one's sunny. Um, maybe he's just a bit fucking dumb. I don't know. It's another one of those in- inconsistencies, whereas I may not have batted an eyelid. Being, you know, I still would have felt the way I feel about Tyrion, but I may not have batted an eyelid at this. I'd have just gone, oh yeah, okay, of course he's going to show up and save the day because it's his family and, yeah. you know, he's he's the head of the army and stuff like that. But the fact that we actually know, unless I missed something last week because the episode was so boring and I tuned out, the fact that we actually know he's supposed to be going in the other direction. Well, yeah, because that was the whole point of Arya trying to get him killed before yes. he left. Um, that he that they were going north. Yeah. While while the Starks were distracted. That kind of makes me question it instantly and go, what? So it pulls me out slightly. Now, yeah. having said that, I am instantly pulled back in and I go with it because, again, this is masterful writing and masterful direction. Cersei's voiceover over yes. these these final scenes, um, it, it's eloquent and it's well delivered. And it it's there's no other word for it. It is masterful. The, yeah. the, the writing... And the juxtaposition of that over these scenes is masterful. And, it, you know, it goes to show this whole episode, in fact, goes to show what this show can achieve and what this story and this cast is capable of if it's just given to the right people and not yeah. entrusted to fuckwits. Well, this is it. And I mean, this is what frustrates me the most, I think, to be honest, is that when this show is good and I think we've I mean, we're to practically the end of season two now i think we're, no, we're we're a quarter of the way through so we're a quarter of the way through the whole show so we we i think we're at a point where we can say this when it's not being written and 
pushed in a particular direction by the fucking numbskulls who run it, it works really well. And as I said, the episodes are really engaging. They're really entertaining. They don't drag. And it, they, they keep people hooked in. Whereas when that pair of fucking clowns get onto it, everything just slows to a glacial pace apart from the fucking orgies. Yeah. Because it's like they're running a frat house most of the time. And so it's really frustrating. I think for me, that's the biggest problem is that it, I see every now and again just a glimpse of what I want this show to do. And mm-hmm. as I mean, I've said before, like Swords and Sorcery and High Fantasy, uh, Fantasy and Dungeons and Dragons, not really my shtick. I'm not really that interested. And I was, nev- I was never coming into this show as a fan of that sort of stuff. And I, paid, I, I sort of got onto it because I was normally it was recommended and I had nothing better to do because I wasn't working. Um, and I, I, for the most part, I enjoyed, but every, no, there were just things that jarred every now and again. And I mean, having now gone back to rewatch to do this this podcast, I'm finding more and more things that jar. But ultimately, there were there are episodes that stand out and things that you things you remember, and they're always from the ones that Dickhead Number One and Dickhead Number Two didn't no didn't write or weren't involved with, or their moments have been lifted straight from the book because they haven't got the intelligence to do them properly themselves. And I think that that's the frustration is that. When it's good, it's very good. And when it's bad, those two idiots did it. You're dead right. And and it's something, you know, it was it was the part of the whole genesis of this podcast, you know, besides the issues with, with season eight. Yeah. Part of it was that, you know, for years, for years, I've said exactly that about this show. You know, when it's good like this, it is absolutely top notch and it has so much potential and I really enjoy it. Um, but when it's bad, fucking hell, it's bad. It's really bad. It is a show of extremes. Yes, it um, is. And that's kind of what, what led me to wanting to do this. Because in general, I think the bad actually does outweigh the good as well. It's just that when the good comes, it's so fucking good yes. that it gets you over those weeks where it is bad. Um, and so, yeah, that that sort of rounds the, the episode out. We get this, this lovely voiceover over Tywin sort of riding... Uh, through the gates and, and announcing that the battle's over, we've won. Um, yeah. And then we get different end music. We get the Reigns of Castamere over the end credits. Which, we do. Which is a weird juxtaposition with the actual end of the episode. Now, I understand that it's it's the Lannisters' song. Yeah. But it's oddly kind of downbeat. It is. It's kind minor. of dirgish, isn't it? And it is. And they've just right won the battle. Am I right in thinking it's Charles Dance doing it as well? Uh, I don't know. Sounds like it. I might. I might be wrong, but it sounds, certainly sounds like him. But yeah, it's just given that this is um, they've just won. Our, none of our no, none of our leads, none of our heroes have died. They've no, they've taken some 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 flack. They've taken some casualties. And Cersei was on the brink of murdering one of her sons, but no, it's it's ended well for them. So yes. why you go out on a dirge? I'm not entirely sure. No, me either. I, it doesn't make any sense to me. Um, and even if, not even when... if even no, the episode itself, regardless of the victories, has been so exciting. Yeah, it's been so well paced and so up tempo. And you, even if you went, if you went by and had this song being sung at a no, at a slightly higher speed uh, and with a slightly higher voice, because I mean, the, uh, if it is Charles Dance or even if it's not, the voice it's being done in is very low. It's very bassy, and again, that just makes it sound even slower. Yeah, and I think that yeah, it just doesn't fit. No, it really doesn't. It, it's weird, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely bizarre. Yeah. Um. But yeah, there you go. That that rounds out uh, what is, uh, quite frankly, a phenomenal episode. Uh, my notes just say, wow, 
Yeah. Uh, wow, it's, it's wonderfully directed, uh, or masterfully directed, really. And, and, and save for the slow start yeah. and the unfortunate rape conversation and the scene with Sansa, yes. um, it just zips along without a breath. You know, this this thing is relentless. The pace is perfect. It's tight. It's focused. And yeah. save for that slight misstep, like, I cannot fault this. The performances are great. The writing is great. It's shot beautifully. This is Game of Thrones at its absolute best. Yeah, this is absolutely. the show bringing its A game. And it shows, as, we, as we've just mentioned, just what this show is capable of when it's firing on all cylinders. Yeah, and I mean, certainly for me, this is the best episode we've had so far in the, across the two seasons. I agree. Um, yeah, I think that. I mean, I've I've not found this season as much of a slog as I did last season. I think nowhere near it. Yeah, I mean, the second half of season one, I wanted Ellen um, Payne to take my head off rather than Ned's because I would have enjoyed that more, to be honest. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, we've we've had some slow episodes the last couple of weeks, but I mean, this has this has come out swinging, and I'm now slightly disappointed. There's only one left in this season. Because um, I mean, we're going to have a break over Christmas, so um, I'm not going to be going back to this for you know, for probably a month or so now, um, and I'm actually quite disappointed by that because I want to carry on. Yeah, um, but let's assess that again after the end of next well, week, shall we? Yeah, that's it. I mean, this is something. I mean, we talked about it last season. We'll talk about it every fucking year or every season that we do. That the penultimate episode is always a the roller best. coaster, yeah. and then the last one is just like. Getting off the ride now and getting out of the queue and going to get popcorn. Yeah. do fucking do. And yeah, it's you know it's one of those where you just say, well, after all that, why do I care? I want no. I want more excitement. I want something to happen. I want consequences of that. I don't want to see people sitting around and talking about it. No. It's like it's like no. It's, it's like watching sport. You get the action and you get just as long again of people talking about it. I said, well, fuck me. Just put another game on. Just put another game on. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But yeah, there you go. That is episode nine, Blackwater. Um, the best to date. One of the best, uh, if not the best. We'll we'll discuss that as we go through. I guess yeah, it's definitely. certainly I mean, not an episode that jumps out to me. No, I, I mean the, the, in terms of in terms of set pieces. You no, know, we'll have the Battle of the Bastards coming up. We'll have the Longest Night, or whatever it's called in season eight. There are big sequences to come, and big episodes like this. But I mean, certainly this is the best of we've had so far, and I think as we come to those, this is going to be the best, so the benchmark, and this is what we're going to be talking about and comparing those two, especially when they yes. start going wrong. This is definitely the the benchmark. Um, it's one of the episodes that stuck out in in my mind when we were talking about doing the rewatch. As I say, there were moments mostly from the other episodes that I remember. This yeah. episode as a whole stuck out in my mind. I remember enjoying it very much first time through and and be yeah. kind of blown away by it um there is a another neil marshall episode to come yeah. uh which equally sticks out in my mind as a whole episode um and i think i might prefer that one but i i need to watch it again now you know in the context yeah. of having seen this one again to <laughs> fairly judge them but it is another neil marshall episode so that tells you something as well yeah it it, it does um also, um, just as a sidebar, the fact that we've not ranted as much and not had as much to complain about means this is our shortest episode, I think. Uh, yeah, I was just thinking that as well. This is this is zipped by, and it's because I've got nothing real negative to say, save for the, the few minor grumbles. Yeah, which, I mean, they're, they're not they're not so significant enough or sufficient enough to really cause any sort of problems. I mean, there's no real consternation here, I don't think. 
No, so I guess what we should be saying actually um, to to our boys Benioff and Weiss is actually thank you for being fuckwits and giving us material. Um, well, yeah, that's that's right, and also thank you for staying the fuck away from this episode. Uh, yeah, look, I'd far rather have another what fifty sixty four no six fifty four fifty four short episodes because I've enjoyed the show. Yeah. Than fifty four absolute two hour rants because the show has wound me up so much. Um, <laughs> I don't know what you prefer, listeners. I'm guessing probably the latter. Um, in which case, you're in luck because that's what the majority of the show is going to be. I think. I, I, th- I think so. Um, it yeah. only gets worse from here. That's the thing. Well, this is. It. I mean, I've said I mean, for me, this is the the best episode so far. This one is. This one definitely takes some beating. And there's in season five there are. Some really good scenes with two of my favorite characters, um, which is some of the best dialogue I've ever seen filmed in a TV show uh, in terms of performances. And I'm looking forward to that. But generally, this kind of this is the peak. This this is the pinnacle. And it's kind of it's going to slide from here, I think. There are high points from here. There, out, there but are, are, but they are not, they're not this high. Yeah, yeah they're, they're, they... they're not this high. They're, they're peaks which are far outweighed by their troughs and they don't reach these dizzy heights again. I don't think. But who knows? Maybe in a rewatch. Well, yeah. Keep, keep listening for the next um, six seasons, because otherwise, we're not going. There's no point in us doing the show. But keep listening. We, we might find some more. Yeah, maybe on a rewatch, things will surprise us. That certainly happened already through the course yes, of the definitely. seasons. You know, my opinions on some things have been far worse. My opinions on others have, have been quite surprisingly. I remember, you know, they're far better than I remember them. So there could be some stuff to come, which in a different context and being watched in close proximity to the other episodes as well, because we're taking a couple of weeks to a month break between seasons at most, as opposed to years. Um, Maybe our opinions will change. Maybe. See, I guess. Yeah, we'll see. Um, But yeah, in in the meantime, I'll say if you want to uh, have a chat with us, want to get in touch with us, you can uh, catch us on email, gom at ddpodcast.net. You can go to our website, ddpodcast.net, um, where you can find the previous season, all the episodes for this season, uh, and some other shows as well, which are pretty great and pretty fun. Um, you can find us on Facebook with the Little One Podcast Network. Um, you can find us on Twitter at ddpodcastnet. Um, but yeah, get in touch. Let's know what you think. Have a chat. I mean, Christmas is coming. We, you know, we're we're going to take a break shortly. So, I mean, we'll need some, we need other people to talk to. We can't talk to each other all the time. Unless you want me to scream into the void. Um, well, yeah, in let's which case, that as drop well. me a line. Yeah, yeah again, just... Uh, do it probably easiest via uh, via Facebook because uh, we both monitor that somewhat, um, and yeah, we'll 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 set that up, and I can have a, have a week off and rest my throat a little bit. Um, but yeah, until next time, game over. <laughs> <laughs>